welcome to Geek Cinema Podcast, a podcast dedicated to geeky, nerdy, and fanboy or fangirl movies alike. I'm Everett, and welcome to part two of our celebration of 50 years of Batman movies with Tim Burton's 1989 titled release. Um, so this was a crazy episode where we had started recording on a Thursday night and the power had knocked it out, or sorry, a storm had knocked out the power and we thought we lost everything, went over to a friend's house to record uh, the episode and redid parts, but uh, then later I found out it had stayed on there, even though I had already uploaded the episode and everything, um, but I just now found it out, so I went ahead and chopped them together, made it sound nice. There's actually, you get two trivias on there, so that's fun. Other than that, there are spoilers for the film as well as other parts of the Batman catalog, including comics, as well as some small points about Independence, Resur- Independence Day resurgence. Uh, other than that, enjoy the conversation. This is a big one, because this is the largest gap for Batman. Yeah, it is. The largest and jump. Not only jump in time, but jump in character as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of this has to do with the times. Uh, right around, oh, man, I think 86. I think it was 86. Frank Miller does... Um, Dark Knight Returns. Does Dark Knight Returns, and it goes over really well. And the Batman continuity is kind of a mess. Like, um, man, what's his name? Neil Adams. I love Neil Adams to death. Um, and he's got he does amazing art. But a lot of the stuff that was uh, what they call the Silver Age is kind of a mess in terms of continuity. Um, in terms of continuity and like tone. So after Dark Knight Returns goes over really well, and it's dark. It is a very dark story. They get Frank Miller to do year one. Ah. And they essentially reboot the entire Batman canon Hmm. with year one. Now, they they pick and choose a few things to keep. Like, Jason Todd was one of the things that held over, mainly because he had such an impact on the Dark Knight Returns story. Otherwise, they would have used Dick Grayson and just completely started from scratch. Um, But that, the Dark Knight from year one and the dark knight from dark knight returns is insanely dark um he's not afraid to batman before would punch you in the gut and put you in handcuffs and call it a day this new batman was uh like he'll break your arm uh if the building collapses and he gets out and you happen to be left behind and you were say hunting him as a member member of the police sorry like <laughs> it really really sucks to be you mm. um and so there was a shift in tone of Batman the character, which I, I think a lot of people ignore that part of Batman. A lot of people do ignore, like, they, and uh, that's why a lot of people were so shocked in Batman versus Superman. They're like, "Oh, he kills people blatantly left and right." And these films we're about to discuss here, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He does, I and noticed nobody that ever as well. paid attention to it. Yeah, and he did in '66 too, right? Oh yeah. Well, I didn't see that, but. Um, um, but yeah, so like, so there's the shift, and uh, they've tried to get a Batman movie going for a long time, and Tim Burton's hot off, hot off of, uh, well, he's not really hot off, but he's got Pee Wee's Big Adventure down. <laughs> um, 
but he's got a lot of interesting short films that he's done, like Frankenweenie. He's got a bunch of interesting concept art, and the studio like decides they're going to give him a chance. Like, let's see if this guy can do it. And uh, a lot of actually a lot of his research came from all the Frank Miller stuff, right. the Dark Knight Returns in the Year One, um, and a few other issues around that time, as well as conversations he had had with uh with uh what's his name uh. Bob Kane about the character about kind of like how to make Batman modern but not not be untrue to the character. Right. Um and whenever like everybody got super excited like I remember I wasn't alive but I've watched so many documentaries and I've seen so many pictures. I was alive for 92. Mm. But like um so many pictures and I remember going to the mall even when I was a kid and seeing like Batman symbols everywhere. Like this had crazy hype. You would think this is like Harry Potter is exactly what this was. But it took a little bit of convincing because before this, Michael Keaton hadn't done a whole lot. He was Mr. Mom to everybody essentially. Uh. Um, I don't know if you've seen Mr. Mom, but like if I had watched that, I'd be like, that is definitely not Bruce Wayne or Batman. <laughs> uh <laughs> And they, but they, what they did is they put out the first teaser trailer, um, showing him suited up, and everybody was sold. The blue and the gray tights were gone. We're in black mm. leather. Um, it's gonna be a very moody picture. Like it was a very much the teaser is very much like just kind of a tone tone piece, and uh, it was it's something you don't see with a lot of movies these days, like teaser trailers back in the 80s especially would be like short films they'd be like like maybe 30 anywhere between like 30 seconds and two minutes of a short film of footage you would never see in the movie but it set you up for the movie it said this is cool this is the idea this is the tone piece this is what we're going for and part of that i think is because uh the industry itself has changed um before you could draw up a really cool poster art, have a script, draw up a really cool poster, um, and you could sell your movie. You could sell your movie based on that. You didn't have to shoot anything. You didn't even have to have a cast. You had to have a cast in mind, but you didn't have to have anybody signed on. And studios would hand you, here's a few million dollars. Go go get it done. <laughs> wow. That's kind. That's actually kind of how Beetlejuice got made. Um, but that's how a lot of 80s films got made, especially like uh, the canon uh, films. I don't know if you're familiar with canon films, but that's like uh, probably their their bigger successes would be like Masters of the Universe, which was pretty pretty bad as a film. Superman three and four came from canon. Mm. Uh, all the Chuck Norris stuff came from canon. Like they would essentially draw Chuck Norris on a on a poster and be like, you know, here he is in Africa and he's blowing stuff up, and here's a bunch of fire behind him and. <laughs> This is what we're going to do. Oh, okay. Well, here's like, and they go over to their investors. Okay, here's like $2 million. Go do it. And they do that before they even had Chuck <laughs> Norris signed on. They just throw his likeness on a thing. There's a really interesting documentary out there called Electric Boogaloo, the story of canon films. Check it out sometime if you, could, if you can. It's on Netflix. All right. Don't with my ramble, but there we go. Like that is Batman. Like this is very much like, this is the modern this is the modern Batman and this, this Batman very much became the Batman we all know today. Um, Mm. The darker take. And Mm -hmm. 
I feel like if this movie wasn't as successful as it was, um, we would have we would have a diff- different Batman. Oh, absolutely! Like in the comics and in the like all forms of media, Batman mm-hmm. would be different. Yep. This was a risk, but because of the Dark Knight Returns and Year One being such a success, like those things sold out left and right. There, Dark Knight Returns, I believe, is. Uh, the highest trade paperback, or the DC's highest selling trade paperback of all time. Wow. And when you think about their catalog and all the stories they've got out there, that's pretty wild. Uh, But yeah, because it starts off with that amazing dark song by uh, Danny Elfman. Yeah. Yeah. That we get later on in the animated series and, mm-hmm. and this games. Is, yeah. And this is like, if we were, like, this is where he got his. His break. This mm. was it. Like he had done Pee Wee's Big Adventure, mm. and I think uh, he did the Forbidden Zone. I believe that was before this, and I think there may have been one other movie in Danny Elfman's career that he had done. But really, like Forbidden Zone, he got that job because that was his brother directing it. Um, he hooked up with Tim and did Tim's first movie, which was Pee Wee. But Danny wasn't getting a lot of other jobs, but that's okay with Danny because Danny was also doing Oingo Boingo. Right, and he was selling his songs left and right to do like like weird science. If you've ever seen the movie Weird Science, mm. that song, uh, Weird Science, the theme song for that movie and the TV show, like that was that was Oingo Boingo. That was Danny Elfman singing that song. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, and this movie like proved that he was actually like a true contender to to being like the next the next big film score composer. Yep. What's that? Are you uh are you ready for some trivia? Oh God, I am. <laughs> hey, I will give you this. You got to watch these movies. I got to watch half of the first one, and I have been so busy with work. I have not, I've not seen these in probably <laughs> I don't know a couple months. I'm gonna get destroyed. All but right. all right, I'm ready. Got six questions. Question one: How much does Vicky tell Batman that she weighs? Ah, uh, 108. That's correct. I, I, you know, I couldn't remember what we're supposed to do to answer. I was gonna say Ant Man, but I was like, this is, that doesn't fit. Can I say Batman? You say eh, or Batman, whatever you want to do. You say Bob. Eh. <laughs> okay, one hundred eight. You can get the two second one though. Okay, ready? Oh, yeah. Question two. Yeah. What does Bruce say he couldn't do without Alfred? And yes. Is it get dressed in the morning? Oh, so close. So close. Because he couldn't find his socks. Oh. I knew it was along the clothesline. Had no idea. I was <laughs> like. All right. Ready? Yes. Question three. In what country did Vicky Vale take her pictures in? Eh. Matt. It's Corto Maltese. Corto Maltese. Ah. All right. Ready? I'm ready. Question four. How long does Joker tell his guys to meet him at the top of the tower? Eh. Matt. Uh, I'm going to need five minutes, boys. Eh, eh, eh. Seth. I'm going to need five minutes, boys. Looks up at the tower. Make it ten. Yeah, that's correct. You got okay. one. All right. What? what, 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 what? 
I'm right. just excited I got one. That's all I need. Good job, E. <laughs> You're catching up. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. What secret ingredient does Joker say is in his products? Eh. Matt. That's correct. Dang, Matt. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten that one. I don't, I All right. Remember. Last question. Chemical X. What does Joker say that he thought he was to Vicky Vale? Uh, I'm, I keep thinking the first homicidal artist, but that's like that can't be it. It's something else. Pisces. That's correct. Ah, uh, Pisces. I remember laughing at that. Man. You should have said sign. You should have said sign. Sorry, I had it worded the, the much better in my question mind. Question was not worded. He's like, "Oh, I thought I was a Pisces." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because she calls him insane, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I had it worded I in my mind. The water in his face. Right. Which is one of the most traumatizing scenes <laughs> for me. Like <laughs> when I was a kid, I fell out of. Um, I well, actually got I got pushed by a guy trying to steal some stuff in a Ventures, which was like. Target before it was Target, okay? And uh, the building still stands today. Um, but, like, guy was trying to steal something, running out of the place, knocked me over in a cart. I busted my forehead open. It's, like, where this scar comes from. Whoa. And there was blood all over my face. And you know what I did? I turned around and I said, boo, like Joker does, because that's all I could think of in that moment. I was, like, four or five years old or something like that. That's all that went through my head. <laughs> it's awesome. I was in this really weird, like, kind of shock thing, too, because yeah. they were like, we got to get you out of here. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was. And so now every time I, I watch Batman, I see that scene. I'm like, I remember that. <laughs> like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like PTSD <laughs> flushing back. Oh, jeez, That's that's insane. That's that's crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, it sounds like something from a movie. Yeah, so this was like a big deal. Like this was the highest grossing DC film until The Dark Knight. That's not bad, guys. Yeah. Did, did Batman Returns not outgross this one? Apparently not. Wow, that sh- that is shocking. Uh, This... This movie made four hundred eleven point three million. Returns only made two hundred sixty-six. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I re- I remember the like I said I remember walking through like this was the, this was the you would think it was like the second coming mm-hmm. at at the time it was crazy. And uh, I was gonna say I said it in the last podcast. Seth Seth had never seen Returns. Yeah, I'd never seen until Returns. we watched it the other night. When was the first time you saw this one? The, the first time I saw this one had to have been. I mean, this is also a movie I watched later on. Um, I feel like it it was around five five years ago because you uh, you came over to my house and you <laughs> you you uh, which just never happens. I I don't think I ever have people come over to my house, but you came over and you brought this. And we watched it, and I loved it. Mm. I mean, the tone of it, the Joker in general was I, just the kind of Joker that you can really, like, just <laughs> fall in love with. Like, mm-hmm. you see him, well, the animated series, he's, of course, amazing. But there's certain, like, animated movies that the Joker's in, and there's something missing 
in the Joker, I feel like, that um, Jack Nicholson had in this movie, I guess. Interesting. I I would I would say we're gonna get on a different topic here, topic here, but I actually prefer. I love Jack, and I believe that at this time there would there would have been no better actor to do it. But apparently, uh, Robin Williams came close hmm. to being the Joker. Really? And then he later on would come close to being the Riddler in part three. What? Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I, I I like the Joker from the animated series more. Like he's like, I do too, yeah. He's more unsettling where this and Joker he is more. he more of a nostalgic feel for me because I actually watched that. Yeah. As a kid. And I mean, like, as did I. Yeah. I'm not that old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, like, because I I hadn't seen this movie until uh, right, five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I really, like, Jack really influenced the perfor- the Mark Hamill take to a point. Yeah. Uh, but as the show went on, he very much made it his own. And that Joker was always a bit more unsettling because whereas this Joker was had his moments where he was frustrated and he would get unpredictable. Yeah. Mark Hamill's Joker was calm and he would just be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good point. Yeah. This Joker gets frustrated towards the end of the movie. And what does he do? He turns around and shoots his, his, uh, Bob, mm-hmm. Bob gun, bam, kills Bob. Right. Um, but yeah, like this, yeah, Jack was unsettling and, uh, you know, they almost brought him, uh, we're gonna, like talking about, Jack Nicholson, they almost brought him back um, for part five that never became. Hmm. Uh, it was going to be called Batman Triumphant. And there was going to be Harley Quinn, which was Jack's Joker's daughter. And she would see visions of him. And Batman would also, the Scarecrow was going to be in this as well. And Batman would get hit by gas and start suddenly having um, visions of the Joker as well. Not too dissimilar to what they ended up doing in Arkham Knight. Right. Um, that would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, For me, with the Batman movies, um, my first, and honestly, as a kid, I didn't even know that there were other ones than uh, Batman Forever. Yeah. That was my first one, and I watched that all the time. And then uh, Batman and Robin, I watched occasionally, but I didn't really like that one. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, Batman um, was recent, and then Batman Returns I had never, I never watched before. Recording. I got one right. All right. <laughs> so we've had an interesting night. Uh, we actually started recording this episode, got about twenty or thirty minutes in, and then this terrible storm came through and knocked our power out. So we lost all of our recording. And so now we're, we're we've run over to a friend's house and um, we're starting to uh, reset, reset, reboot, reboot. This reboot. Is Seth Gleason. We're I'm, doing I'm a back. reboot of a movie that has been rebooted, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, That's a weird. Man, where do we start now? So yeah, we even got trivia done. Uh, Matt won. Um. Debatable. Seth, Seth, Seth. I got, got a, a question right. Of you, you six got, questions. You got, yeah, you got. But, you got. Uh, basically, Matt went on this long uh, spiel about how big this movie was back in '89. Like, and it the went, change it jumped 
tone of 20, Batman. 23 years from the last movie, and the tone was completely different. Yeah. It jumped from a comedy film to uh, the darkest superhero movie we'd seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Frank Miller comes along and does a story called The Dark Knight Returns, and it shows us a very dark, very serious, very gritty Batman. And, uh, which I need to read. You do need to read. And I got to thinking about this. It's actually, uh, Dark Knight Returns came later. Uh, first up was, uh, was Batman Year One, and, uh, Frank Miller was hired. He was just kind of hired as somebody that was going to write a, a one-off origin story for uh, for Batman, and it was going to be a light a light reboot, so they could get everything in order. Um, his devices are more um, more more function over fashion, mm-hmm. and as you will see in Batman 1989, like the Batmobile's got grenades on it. And that like that came, that was inspired by some of the stuff that was in the dark Knight returns. And so whenever, uh, whenever Warner brothers uh, was having talks with Tim Burton about doing this, like he brought to them, like he wanted, he wanted to make this movie based on, he wanted to do away with the blue and the gray tights, like, let's make this a little bit more serious. And I got an idea. Let's do black leather. And so, um, and so they did, they, and they based it off of year one and dark Knight returns. That was the main key influences. Um, and killing joke as well when it came to the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack Nicholson had, uh, had never read a comic before. I don't know why, but that's not surprising. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I uh, never read a comic before, but he did read the Killing Joke, oh. and uh, the Killing Joke is where a lot of uh, also like where a lot of the Joker stuff comes from. It's why he has his, like such a huge smile on his face because if you've ever seen that cover, He's that Joker smile is very yeah, it's yeah. unhuman or inhuman. So those were those were the works that inspired it, and Tim Burton. John Peters, um, who is kind of for the long time was kind of like the he was in primary control of this of mm-hmm. the Batman and DC franchises, um, and later on we'll talk about it when Batman Forever rolls around. But we'll talk about how John Peters stayed with this franchise and tried to do some interesting things mm-hmm. with it. Um, Great movie. Spoiler alert, he's kind of crazy, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> really? Oh, hmm. John Peters is kind of kind of crazy. I'm very curious. Um, but at any rate, uh, so we got, we got a 1989 Batman. We have black leather. Um, we have a scary, more serious Batman. Yeah. And it's about time, because 66 was ridiculous. A lot of the comics had gotten really off the rails and ridiculous. I guarantee you, had this film not be, had not been a success... They would have rebooted once again, and we'd still have the campy Adam West Batman because at the time, I mean, that worked. Yeah, that worked. The only reason that show ended after, uh, I think it was actually two two seasons, maybe maybe three seasons. The only reason it ended was because they messed up and they tore down the sets. 
<laughs> and they That's did weird. not they did not want to rebuild them because there was contract I want to say there was con- there was a writer strike and then there was contract negotiations between the top stars that was kind of um being drawn out and somebody like somebody made a call demolish the sets because it doesn't look like we're coming back and then they sign all the deals to come back and guess what there's no sets and so (laughs) they have to call everything off oh wow that Um, sounds like an awful day (laughs) yeah somebody got fired yeah so I don't have I don't have uh, we're gonna try and do a trivia and I don't have a lot of trivia oh but I I I, I got I got two two or three questions here cool okay first one is what what is the first thing the first time you hear Batman he's not referred to as Batman what is he referred to as Ant the bat there we go mm-hmm. yeah, the bat ah come on <laughs> <laughs> that guy's voice oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm screwed <laughs> okay uh I've never done trivia before this is fun uh, right <laughs> I'm losing again uh, what is the Joker's boss boss's name? Ah, Carl Grissom. Got it. Okay, last one. Last one, Seth. You watch the movie, you will understand this one. What is the Joker's real name? Ah, Jack. You're supposed to ah. Jack Napier. Yeah, full name. That's okay, Seth. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, you got a you got one point during the the trivia but that was deleted. That. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep, we're keeping tabs. Don't worry. I had to at least say the name. That's why I did that. And I was like, <laughs> you know what, people? I know things. I know things. There's All right. knowledge in here. Uh, so, what did you guys think about the opening of this one? It's amazing. Uh, I I don't know how they did it because when I watch something like that, I'm like, it looks so like it looks like a real. Thing that they're going through and like but my they thing that they did those were all oh yeah it's so cool yeah, oh, yeah i thought the were, same thing that was awesome if i remember right it's built on uh the skywalker sound stages uh, oh yeah like they were filming this here and not uh i don't know i guess it'd be t- 10 15 years later something like that well what we're in we're in 89 so about yeah about actually about 20 years later um the Dark Knight trilogy would revisit these same sound stages. That's wow. awesome. That's cool. Not not nearly in the capacity. Right. But they did we'll talk about it later, but they did build the narrows, the entire narrows in the Batman Begins movie. That was actually a full on mm. real set. That's cool. really cool. But yeah, so this is this is Gotham. This is built. Seth, you saw this five years ago. Yeah. What did you think was going on when you first when you first saw the movie? What was going on? Like, I, I my immediate thought was the uh, the origin story of Batman. Like right? I thought that that was him I, with his parents, but at the same time, while you're watching it, well, I mean, maybe of course, like during the, when the movie was released, I don't know if people had the exact same thought because like the dad didn't have. The Thomas Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. didn't have his kind of vibe to him. Right, he was kind of like, "Come on, come on." Yeah, you know? no, he was he was very much not like a like Thomas Wayne was a very calculated man. Yeah, you know, but not so like so as somebody have... who's seen the origin story in other more forms. times than yeah. I can 
even say. I, I mean, but it's still. I, I knew that they kind of did that on, on purpose. At least that's right. how I, I felt. Yeah, like and it's kid. cool. I, I, because it kind of throws you off just a little bit. Because then you see Batman, and you're like watching. What the? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which uh, plot twist? Yeah. <laughs> Because you expect you that just, guy. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great matte work like in this movie. Hmm. Uh, matte painting work. And that was one of the moments was when Batman's hanging out looking down. Like that's a that's a painting. Yeah. You can tell. I yeah. actually at first I'm like, you know, uh, taking it back a bite. And then I'm like, that actually looks really, really cool. It does. I could never actually tell until I saw it on Blu-ray. Before that, yeah. like you would think you were watching you were watching it like a real person standing way up like uh, yeah to me anyway um it's, it's cool yeah it is very I mean, cool they did that a couple times during the movie right yeah there's there's a few uh few shots like that so then we get the we get the oh the actual well i guess before this we get the actual opening with the Dan, danny elfman theme mm-hmm. which is that's what i was thinking of yeah uh, which is iconic and uh, very much um, was used in uh, many things like this was here's the thing right and I don't know maybe it's it's a lost art and actually Batman Superman has this um, but characters in this movie have themes mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. of how many movies you watch now there is an overarching theme but there's like characters themselves never like anytime the Joker's coming around the corner, you heard his music, right? And that you know, really sets a tone for it does. Or I like anytime, I like it when movies or shows do that. Anytime Batman's around or Batman's about to be around, you get that swell. Like the first yeah. time you see him looking down from the rooftop, you get that swell. The mm-hmm. you know, um, one thing I can think of that does that is Game of Thrones. Yeah, and it works so well. It's more common in TV shows. Yeah. But like movies, it's not. Batman Superman is the first movie in a long time that I, I watched and I was like, everybody's got their own theme. And Star this Wars is, does it too, don't, don't This they? is amazing. Uh, Star Wars did do it. Yeah. Um, but Danny Elfman here uh, hasn't done a lot, but this is the, this is the movie that made him. This is, this showed everybody that he could really play ball, um, mm-hmm. that he wasn't just, a guy from a band, like the singer from a band. Yeah. Because before that, that's all he was. I mean, he, he did uh, the theme song for Weird Science. Uh, he His music's in a lot of 80s movies from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Huh. Uh, yeah. It, all over the John Hughes stuff. Um, and he would, he would actually go on, go on to make a CD that essentially sounded like Batman the album. Like it sounded like he... Uh, what was the name of it? It's it's just called Boingo. So it's Oingo Boingo Boingo. And <laughs> the opening song, you you hear it and you automatically think that I'm listening to a Batman soundtrack. Like That's score. So cool. Yeah. So like his career, like this really gave him more of a career than Oingo Boingo would have because he actually stopped performing uh due to hearing loss. But his score uh, work would bleed over into his to his band so it was kind of it's kind of interesting hmm. yeah, but this obviously led him to many other tim burton projects and this movie also made tim burton and showed that he wasn't just uh he wasn't going to take Pee Wee herman and just make a comedy you know what i mean like right. he could actually he could handle a big budget 
and the responsibility that goes with the studio film and he could take a prod uh, a product that by most people uh, at this time probably remembered Batman from the Scooby-Doo movies I remember that yeah yeah probably the Scooby-Doo movies because um, I want to say that came after the Super Friends TV show yeah uh, so really like that's you know you're taking goofy Batman and you're turning him into what what you see, you know, you're taking him, turning him dark and made it a success. Yeah. It was, it, it was incredible. Um, that's, that's the thing that's always attracted me, I guess, to Batman and also just DC in general. Like, I mean, now that I've gotten more into Marvel and stuff, like I see that they can do the dark thing, mm-hmm. but I, I'll always just love the way DC handles that stuff. Right. But I mean, had this not been a success, we would essentially just have two versions of Marvel. Right. Um, because if you go back and read the stuff before year one, um, and even some of the stuff around year one, like Superman, Man of Steel, the miniseries, which was kind of like his his reboot, um, it's very Marvel. Like, it, a lot of it is very, very Marvel. Until, mm-hmm. until the change happened, until this movie was proved to be a success, like, you couldn't... You couldn't really tell the difference between a DC and a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. It's strange. I mean, it, I guess it makes sense for the like the time and stuff, but yeah. Uh, thank God for change. And while we're talking about music, you can't talk about this film and not talk about Prince. Right. The entire <laughs> the entire soundtrack. You go to you go you buy a, okay you go see a new movie. And you pick up the soundtrack. It's got like 16 bands on it, all mm-hmm. doing one song. This entire soundtrack was done by Prince. Really? Right. And do you know why? No, I don't know why. Because he was like super, super, super into Kim Basinger. Basinger. Hmm. Huh. Super into her and wanted to uh, impress her, and that's how Prince got involved. Was <laughs> he's like, awesome. he's like, "What movie are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm doing Batman." He's like, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna write the soundtrack for your film, and I'm gonna write you some songs on there." And Prince did his Prince thing, walked in there, essentially told Warner Brothers what he was doing because he was uh, he was his contract was with Warner Brothers. Hmm. Um, so cool. and they said, "Okay, do it," you know, and. It's all throughout the music, or all throughout the movie. Like uh, whenever they bust into the art gallery, yes, Party Man pops on. Yeah, uh, Trust. I mean, this—if you think about it, this—this this is an odd I I movie. Really, this is yeah. a very serious movie that has musical numbers. Yeah, because like they are slapping those paintings to the beat. Yeah. At the end of the movie, Jack Nicholson is bouncing back and forth on the beat of Trust, mm-hmm. like. This movie is kind of in a way like and it you pulled could, it off could, so well. Yeah, they do. It doesn't feel like a musical or anything like Honestly, that. Honestly, everything that scene of the parade. Every time I'm watching him dance, I, I it it reminds me of something that would be on the animated series. Yeah, of Mark Hamill's Joker. I can see him doing that. All those yeah. dance moves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I just. That's crazy that that just completely went over my head when I'd watched the movie. I guess I just never thought of it. Most I, people don't even pick up on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's um, incredible. But that was part of the thing was that like if Prince was going to do it, his music had to like... 
he went in, he ordered, he was going to do it, and he ordered it was going to be prominently featured. And Tim Burton happened to be a Prince fan, so of course it worked out. Um, but those scenes, like the art gallery bust in um, and the parade scene, were not scripted at all in the initial uh, wow. the initial draft. Like, it was just kind of like, okay, like, insert Prince musical number here, and <laughs> that's what came up, or came out. Uh, yeah. And speaking of Jack Nicholson and Mark Hamill, like obviously Mark Hamill was like somewhat influenced mm-hmm. at least at the beginning of the animated series by this Joker because this was the this was the iconic Joker. Even later when we would get Heath Ledger, there were so many people yeah, that were saying like Jack is Joker, not Heath Ledger. And we'll we'll mm-hmm. talk more about that when we get there. But uh, we could definitely say that this Joker, at least the idea of this Joker even heavily influenced the Dark Knight Joker, though. Wouldn't you be able to say? At least, like, some elements from the smile, at least. I I feel like... Carried um, over, and maybe they took it a little bit darker, but they still... I actually felt like um, they're two very different people. I felt like... I feel like Jack Nicholson is classic Joker. Yeah. He's the gangster Joker. He is the Joker that... uh, the the Joker that's very organized. Mm. Um, you didn't start getting wild, crazy, chaotic Joker really until about the late '90s, early 2000s, and that's that's kind of what, in my opinion, inspired Heath Ledger more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, because whereas Jack Nicholson is a gangster, Heath Ledger is a lone wolf anarchist. Right. Um, just completely off the rails and there is no real there's no true organization whereas here what does Joker do? Joker has like a t- like a board meeting a board <laughs> like he essentially has a board meeting you know yeah, what I mean? That's like a, he, That's a really good point yeah. yeah and he's supremely organized because he learned from Carl Grissom which mm-hmm. who at the time was the guy in Gotham City like all crime everything went through him yeah. um Heath Ledger would have never. That Joker would could not exist in this world. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I can't even say. And the world is painted so well for the characters too in this movie, whether it's Batman or Joker, uh, however opposite they are, just because the way they are kind of, I don't know fun in a way like it's they're very fun characters the set pieces i think just go so well with them yeah. like mm. and the way they i i completely respect every last inch of those designers cuz like the city hall and the access access chemicals plant uh they all look so cool they do they do and they look i mean like a lot of that is set work like there's very few uh, on location uh, sets here and they're immense like they're immaculately detailed there's yeah. there's nothing uh, it's not like you can kind of, you, you don't see somebody bumping into the set and the set fl- like getting a little flimsy or something like mm-hmm. that or paint coming off like um, which speaking of speaking of paint coming off I'll ruin the Joker's intro for you forever if you watch whenever he comes in to Carl Grissom's office 
and he pulls his uh he comes out of the shadows and you see his smile and everything mm. he's got he's got paint or something like his coat right um they painted it they spray painted that thing purple and part of it came off on Jack Nicholson's neck uh, and you can see it in uh, this one scene uh, um and it always like i always noticed that when i was a kid and i was like that's a weird shadow and then i was listening to the commentary later and i was like huh like <laughs> that's what that's why that looked weird um <laughs> how do you guys feel like jack nicholson did i absolutely love him yeah i i love him as well uh prosthetics creep you out Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah. I think, and they look amazing. They do, right? Like, I, I, every time I see this movie, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I don't know. I when I was a kid, I probably didn't think about it that much, but now I'm like, how do they do that? That's so. It's I'm sure it's a my... lot, a lot, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it was like every I think, day. I think he spent like three or four hours in a chair. Oof. But like, if you see the thing, the trick is. Really, the trick is is the paint, um, because if you see him, even whenever he was normal looking mm-hmm. um, with the grin, there was still a heavy layer of paint over him. But if you see him without the paint, he looks absolutely ridiculous. Like you could find a few behind the scenes photos online, and it just looks looks comical. Like <laughs> this is never going to work, and they pull it off. They pull it off because they layer it with so much paint mm. and. Um, kind of like the uh, like the scene where he gets water thrown in his face, and there's oh, all yeah, the right. all the makeup I'm and everything melting. running. Like they just layered him with paint, so much paint, um, that it made it essentially like a new layer of skin on him, and you couldn't see the lines of the prosthetics uh, around his mouth. Uh, and then we have Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. which I will say that Michael Keaton, okay, Christian Bell is my favorite Batman, but Michael Keaton is number two. And the reason why, um, why I actually like him is because I believe that he is the most intimidating Batman of all of them. Um, whenever he was hired, of course, everybody groaned. There was like the loudest groan in the comic book world because we had Mr. Mom playing, Batman and that's all Michael Keaton had really done mm-hmm. um, I can't remember if Johnny Dangerously was before this or after this but Johnny but you see him in Johnny Dangerously and it doesn't help his, help the argument that this guy's going to be Batman <laughs> uh, but uh, so you have uh, you have Michael Keaton and his eyes are like he is silent He when he talks to you he like kind of drops his voice and he talks a little quieter mm-hmm and it's not the abrasive like (laughs) yeah yeah where's rachel (laughs) (laughs) yeah which i mean don't get me wrong like like still yeah like christian bell is the most threatening batman yeah but the most intimidating one is michael Keaton by a long shot because Mm. he's just he's silent and he just gives you those eyes like he says so much with his eyes he doesn't even need to use words it's just like okay like i'm done here like right. you know what i'm gonna throw myself off the roof you just stand back and watch yeah and and he's got he's got the pain behind him too to drive it like we see later we were talking about it before the the deletion of the episode earlier uh how i guess people were upset about 
were or confused that Batman was um, more than violent in the new movie. Yeah, in Batman vs. Superman. People were like, but then in this what the heck? Movie, They're ruining Batman. He killed people. But in this movie, he clearly... He, he kills blew. everybody inside of Access Chemicals. He yeah. drops, yeah, he and drops. And then he, he throws a guy down the tower. Down the tower, the yeah. Stairwell. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, like the, uh, uh, <laughs> it, I, I don't know, like it just, it just kills me. It kills me because in the 66, we had Batman killing people. <laughs> right. We and uh the nobody noticed and this one we have Batman killing people. And it's obvious and you just And it gets more obvious when we get a little bit later down the road. Two returns. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah, like access chemicals. Or how about uh how about when he's ran he's firing the machine gun? Right. That's uh, what I was gonna <laughs> you mentioned that misses. the Batmobile has uh grenades. Yeah, for for access, right? Yeah. Right. And then we also have a machine gun. What we is that for? Right, like, like and for not breaking o- doors. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, like we have machine guns, like that he shoots at the Joker with, right, yeah. on the plane, which actually and made me think like, of the Dark Knight. Yeah, and it's kind of like, are you? Did you? Did you? Did you use the machine guns to try and scare him? Because if that's your point, you're gonna scare him, and he's gonna run into your line of fire. If you're just shooting random bullets. Do you realize there are citizens still out there <laughs> right. running around trying to collect dollar bills or whatever's falling from the sky? Uh, I just, yeah, that's not one of his, one of his brighter moments. No. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of his not so bright moments was, uh, or rather Alfred's not so bright moments. I'm just gonna let Vicky Vale down into the bad cave. Oh yeah, and that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? Like. What the heck, Alfred? Al- Alfred is there to protect you and like not let random girlfriends into that you just barely know. Yeah, into your bat cave. Yes, he's down there playing dress up in the dark. <laughs> Don't be worried at you all. You were just here last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Um, where I want um, you'd probably know this. What gave people the impression? That Batman never kills the people. I know there's there's some mentions in some different. Well, in the comic book, that's his mo. That it's his code, but eventually he breaks it, though, right? He st- well, he will never. He will never kill anybody, but he will not. That he does have people that he chooses not to save. Like right. that line out of Batman Begins is very much, very much Batman. He's uh, he will not kill. But he will hurt you, mm. and he will put you in the hospital, and he may paralyze you, but he will not kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, he may uh, drop you forty stories down a tower, <laughs> and you might have all your bones broken. But don't worry, he won't kill you. <laughs> not directly. It's the fall that killed you. It was his legs doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about the Batman that starts to lose people? What do you mean? Like um, the Batman, the older Batman that has gone through the tribulations of losing Oh, you mean like the Dark Knight Returns Batman? Yeah. That Batman is not so shy about killing people. Right. Um, He, honestly, he doesn't, in the Dark Knight Returns, he never, he never outright kills anybody. He puts. But it happens probably more often than. Um, 
in the sequel it happens the dark knight strikes again it right. happens um which is very interesting but yeah like Cause he I think doesn't... that's something that's brought up with like batman everybody assumes that in the dark knight returns he kills people and he actually does not okay. kill anybody um outright there are moments where there's like a helicopter crash and it crashes into a building and Batman jumps away from the building and guess what? Like I'm sure gangster A through Z probably died, but Batman didn't directly kill you. Yeah. Batman didn't pull a trigger, but that's kind of, the, yeah, that's kind of Batman. So he doesn't pull the trigger, but, but he won't. Yeah, I think it's also something with comics. There's so many writers and there's always going to be that one guy who wants to just change the whole character. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. Lots of people are complaining about the Captain America Hydra thing, which I am i haven't read it yet. Maybe there's some twist to it that makes there's sense. There's apparently a twist. But uh, even if there's not, it's one writer who's trying to write this story. You don't have to... You don't have to like you, it, and guess what? Like, there are retcons. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's what I have to say about but yeah so but i mean at this time <laughs> at this time uh so year one had just had been made a few years earlier mm. and pretty much if you've seen batman begins you've seen year one and actually if you haven't if you get more curious there's a movie there's an animated and movie it's great and it's pretty much beat for beat uh year one there's a few minor things changed but um but that's where the no killing came from was year one. Oh wow um, but before that, Batman in his first issue broke, shot a guy, broke another dude's neck. Like Batman, uh, from like Detective Twenty Seven to I don't know, like Forty Eight or something, and then Batman uh, issues like one through probably thirty. Uh, he maybe he's twenty four. Uh, he carried a gun. Wow. He carried a gun. He dropped people from his bat co- uh, bat plane and just killed people. Like <laughs> Batman, just blatantly killed people. Mm. Um, but DC was worried about him kind of becoming a serial killer, <laughs> so they were like, "Let's dial that back a we little bit." We need a code. <laughs> uh, well, they never said flat out said he had to have a code. The code was implemented by Frank Miller, mm. um, which is cool. And it actually I, something that I like about the code. That adds more story later on with like under the red hood and stuff. Like he's not willing to break it even when, even whenever he like he the moment presents itself that he maybe should. Yeah, yeah. And the, and it makes his relationship with the Joker so much better. Right. And yet in this movie, that's my one thing that story wise that I'm like, ah, oh, is that the Joker dies, and I. One of my favorite things about the Joker is that it's like this relationship. That's forever that's ongoing. That's forever, yeah. We got to remember at the time, this was not a guarantee, guaranteed right. success. They yeah. were like, this is probably it. Hmm. Make the best of it. Make, like, do whatever you want to do. Like, this is Warner Brothers talking to John Peters, not Tim Burton. Right. Um, do whatever you want to do. Get it out of your system because chances are, this is a one and done. Mm. Um, and so like nobody was signed to multi-contract huh. or multi-picture uh, deals. Uh, the only person that was, 
was Tim Burton and it wasn't signed for Batman. It was just saying you, okay, like we're going to do this. You owe us three movies. So you have to direct three movies based on scripts that we submit to you or that you submit to us and we approve. Interesting. Uh, so that's probably why then they, they just kill them off. Yeah. Yeah. And uh little known fact is that Batman, there was going to be a Batman five called Batman triumphant and Joker was going to return because we have Harley Quinn's daughter involved and it was going to be Batman versus Scarecrow and Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn would have visions of her dad and then the fear gas from Scarecrow would cause Batman to have visions of the Joker. Um, Which would have been really awesome to see, but we still get a little bit of... We still get a little bit of that in Arkham Knight, but yeah, and Jack Nicholson was actually like ready to come back and do it. Mm. Like they had gotten that far, Dang. the script, they had gotten far enough to the, where they put out a logo. Wow. Why um, Why didn't it happen? Uh, because Warner Brothers kind of looked at the direction they wanted to take it and the direction that they had let Batman and Robin go and said, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Because Batman Triumphant would have been much more in line with Batman Returns than it would have Batman and Robin. Which but after coming off of Batman was... and Robin, which is a ginormous toy commercial you can't quite turn around and do batman returns because guess what the kids the kids can't watch that right Um, that's such a bummer yeah but i mean mean, good things came out of it too yeah um sorry i was gonna sneeze um but yeah so so we had uh and before you know we almost had robin williams as the joker i can't even imagine it to be honest I, you know, honestly, if somebody told me it was going to be between Jack Nicholson and Robin Williams back in 89, I would have went with Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jack Nicholson has this crazy, this very crazy, uh, like, what is it, manic persona, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Robin Williams has kind of a funnier persona. It can mm-hmm. be serious when he needs to be. But he's very much more kind of like comedic and charming. Right. Which really like um, at the time, that's about all we knew besides the killing joke was just this kind of quirky joker. Um, I mean, eventually like he killed Jason Todd and we got a much more serious joker, which actually, um, (laughs) so in, in Batman, the movie and in the movie we're talking about, um, Joker, when he is dressed up like uh, he's got the top hat on and he's like doing the mime thing, yeah, that is a uh, like a wink to the Death in the Family storyline where Jason Todd is killed on the cover of the fourth issue or the fourth part of that. Um, Joker is wearing an outfit that looks exactly like what you see uh, in in front of the uh, city hall or whatever it was. And that that speaking of that scene, one thing that the biggest point that I love about this movie is all of his lines that they give him like that part where he says the pin is truly mightier than the sword right or um, the Pisces line and then the line that he says to all of his uh, prey which is uh, uh, yes have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight right oh my goodness gracious yes and then <laughs> the classic Wait till they get a load of me. Yeah. Just 
every every line he has in this movie is perfect. Yeah. The way they get a load of me, that was actually improv. Really? He just That's kind of so came great. up with that. Um What did you you know, speaking of the scene outside of uh City Hall, what did you think when Bruce just kind of stood there and watched? I had a weird like like you get this feeling that there's something more. And I love, and I think even when I was watching the movie for the first time, which was not that long ago, so I feel like I I have a good idea. Like, it made me really curious, and it 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 ended up just sucking me more into the movie itself. Like, I love it when movies, shows, books, kind of like don't just tell you right what's going on with the character. You just get a little glimpse, and it, I don't know. It, it's a cool moment. And for me, I don't remember the first time I saw this. I'm sure it was the I don't 90s, either. so I don't remember uh, what I would have thought. But I'm sure when I watched this again in my teens, I I would imagine I was thinking, why is he just standing there staring at the Joker? Yeah, and uh, lots of thoughts have to run through your head because, like, at first you might may, may think, "Oh, he froze," like he's not in his Batman suit, and there's this madman with a but he walks weird right face. up to the he limo. Walks, yeah, exactly. And like he just looks at him, and it's just kind of like it's one of these. You moments. can tell that he has this this look of recognition. <laughs> recognition. That creepy wave that yeah yeah yeah. To him. It always kind of like that scene. I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to show that Bruce is kind of having flashbacks. Right. But it always bothered me because, like, the Batman I know would never allow, like, a flashback or anything like that to deter him from the mission. Like, the mission is the mission, and you handle your personal shit later. Right. Um, that's just that's just the Batman I know. Mm-hmm. Which, another thing that was always... That's interesting about these films... Uh, the killer of Batman's parents changes. What? In this movie, it's made to look like the Joker did it. Right. In part, I believe it's Batman Forever, part three, it's made to look like Two-Face could have done it. Hmm. <laughs> Which, like, if you, I just... And it's I... It's just so... Weird. It's hard for it, me there, to There even was a, something else I recognized in either this one or the second one that I was also like, uh, oh, Harvey Dent. Yeah, Harvey Dent's in here. Yep. Lando. And it's Lando Calrissian. Yep. And Tommy Lee Jones in part three. Yeah, and there's an interesting story behind that. Really? Uh, so Should we save it for that one? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, we'll save it for that one. Well, either way... Um, I was I was getting to the point of saying I just like to imagine that these two are their own thing. Yeah, returns is its own thing, and well, I guess Robin kind of connect, but I I like to imagine them differently, but just because of how how insanely different they are, and the Batman, the actors change. Right, that's the thing that kind of separates them for me. Kind of, except for they all they do they do have callbacks, like uh, like there's a callback. In three to returns, mm. um, but I believe it's yeah, I believe it's something to do with Catwoman. I honestly forget, but there's a callback, mm. um, kind of a throwaway line about uh, like how in returns there's a th- uh, callback to Vicky Vale. 
Oh right? yeah. So yeah. there's so there's kind Which, of a callback like that. Um, I appreciated <laughs> going from uh, is Seth. Uh, um, I'm having being nightmares. Upset about uh, PST Independence P- P- Day no. resurgence, uh, where they they kill basically left a character out and don't mention. They don't even them at mention all. her. Will Smith, right? Is that no, 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 they no, mention Will Smith. Mention. It's uh, Jeff Goldblum's wife. No, oh, she's yeah, not is she in an the new character? one, and sh- they do I not mean, mention <laughs> why they're not together. And it bothers me so much. <laughs> And like right, right when I mean we'll talk about returns <laughs> later, but like man, right when that you see her come over, well she comes over, and he talks about her because you know movies do that all the time. They'll sw- when they switch right. romances and they just right. just another girl. We don't need to talk about the other one, but this one actually mentioned it and talked about her and talked. There had there was issues or whatever, and. I was very grateful for you that. Had, you had closure. I had closure. Like, yeah, it didn't work out. That That's fine. They didn't know each other for very long. It's not like they were in love or whatever. And you don't know, but he killed her because she, she knows his secrets. Yeah. <laughs> right. She can't live. <laughs> just kind of kind of, kind of threw her off the edge the, of the uh, bat cave. Yeah. Like the bat, Batmobile machine gun. It got dark. <laughs> Blew her up in a building. <laughs> he he uh, grenaded her in the sewers. <laughs> that's for next episode. <laughs> Um, let's see. I have a so there's something here. We're talking about Vicky Vale, and I've got to bring, I've got to bring her up. Um, Basinger, 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 Basinger. I, I Basinger. Wait, let's isn't see. That a... <laughs> there was actually another actress that was going to play. Um. That was going to play Vicky Vale. Yes, Sean something. Okay, yeah. And uh, I was trying to find her name. Nailed the first name. Trivia. <laughs> but uh, trivia. Oh, here we go, here we go. Found that out trying to find trivia questions. Oh. <laughs> uh, so what happened was is she was going to play uh, play Vicky Vale, but she broke her leg. Oh, yeah. Sean Young. Um she broke her leg horse riding. And uh, Kim Basinger was kind of like a last minute addition, audition. Like, just like, hey, like she's got, she actually has good chemistry with Michael Keaton, which Sean Young apparently did not. Mm. Um, Second DC actor to lose their job to a horse injury. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who else? Um, Superman. Christopher oh. Reeves. Yep. Broke his back. Paralyzed. Uh so Sean Young was gonna play Vicky Vale, but uh what I was getting at or what what clicked with that was that we'll get into it more in returns, but she she tried. She tried so hard to come back for returns. And I'm just gonna tease you with that because there is a oh, hilarious yeah. story. I read that. Um uh-huh. but uh, speaking of Robin, Robin was actually going to be in this movie. What? Really? Really? There was going to be this. Um, so the chase scene uh, where they leave the uh, the gallery and they end up in the alleyway, right? Mm-hmm. There is a. Uh, you can actually watch it. There's a story, a whole storyboarded sequence, and they got the animated series voice actors to do it. If I remember right, it's on the Blu-ray. Um, where Robin and uh, 
I think one of the other Grayson family members swing in and essentially swing from one rooftop to the other and take out some of the Joker's goons to help Batman. Um, and Batman, like Batman sees Dick and kind of says, thanks kid. And that was going to be the setup for returns. Like he was going to somewhere between returns and this, he was going to recruit the kid and we were going to have a Robin. That would have been really cool. Wow. Well, that would have been really interesting. So, but when they ditched this, they tried to bring Robin into returns anyway. And that's, that's an even more interesting story we'll get into. Huh. They actually made toys of that, of the returns Robin. Wow. <laughs> that's how far they got with it. I'm ready to talk about returns. I'm excited about that. Um, sorry. Sorry, the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we have the uh, what else was great? What did you guys think about the uh, uh, like the practical effects? Like as far as like you had the prosthetics, of course, but like you um, see you see the bullet go through Jack Napier's cheeks. All right, yeah, I was gonna say all the Axis stuff. I love like the chemicals yeah. spilling out of the vats and mm. him falling into it. Uh, all that stuff is super cool, and I. I just, re- for some reason, every time I see that scene in the surgery room, even to this day, it just gives Creeps me the willies out. seeing yeah. all those tools. You see what yeah. I have to work with? Oh. Yeah. I, I think what creeps me out more is uh, his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, P- Patricia? That sounds right. Yes. Yeah, Patricia. And she's like... I don't know what he did to her, but it looks like he dropped acid on her face. Yeah. yeah. And it is so like that always just like, or I dropped acid while watching it. <laughs> there, <laughs> that is kind of the, a little bit of the chaotic Joker, a little bit of a taste of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean a little bit, um, but <sighs> them making Joker an artist. And I put that in quotes. Not that you can see first homicidal artist. Um, is interesting because in the comics he was never while he had things like the laughing fish um which were fish with red lips he never really he never really performed plastic surgery on people he would always hit them with laughing gas and sure would leave them with the with the ghastly grin but it wouldn't he never took it as far as like mutilating a person Hmm. And while while the Killing Joke kind of gets there in a way, like it gets to some very dark places, yeah, they never had they never had Joker essentially become a horror villain by mutilate like mutilating his victim's face and right. things like that. So that was interesting. That was very much a like that's something that's a very Tim Burton thing. Um, like if you notice. On almost every, uh, in every Tim Burton film, like the main characters or every character, at least that Tim Burton can, there is something physically wrong with them, like a physical defect. Um, and it's sometimes it's just superficial as like a look, like you look at Edward Scissorhands and he's got cuts all over his face. Um, uh, uh, Willy Wonka is too perfect. He's too perfect. Like he looks, he's so perfect. He's unsettling. Like there are no wrinkles on his face. Mm-hmm. Like he's too perfect. Um, Sweeney Todd. 
Yeah, Sweeney Todd. He's got well, he doesn't have so much. He's, he's got the black and the white hair, but he's got the black and the white hair. But like uh, Beetlejuice, like he is decay. His mouth and his whole face is kind of decaying. Like right. he is, he is a corpse. That is kind of a Tim Burton thing, and like we'll get into more of that um, in Returns mm-hmm. with mm. the Penguin because the Penguin never looked like he did. Like that was like the flipper thing. That's a Tim Burton thing. <laughs> that was the first time it ever appeared. Uh, so ready to talk about that movie. So for being a first Batman film, and I guess maybe it's kind of the one and done mentality, I was always really surprised that they managed to get not only the Batmobile in here, but... Which looks freaking awesome. The yeah. best Batmobile. The best. Like, I cannot tell you how much, like, how disappointed I was whenever they came out with Batman Begins and they showed off the new Batmobile and I was like well it looks like a tank and that's (laughs) did you which I I, this is a super obscure statement but I remember watching the uh, MTV Movie Awards the year Batman Begins came out and just the trailers and they had a sketch with Jimmy Fallon because he was hosting and Batman comes to pick him up to take him to the awards and everybody's referring to him as Tank Man yeah, <laughs> because yeah. he's driving the big tank down the road. Yeah, yeah, I know. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> in uh, the Batmobile from this movie and Batman Returns, I can't remember. There's the same was. Batmobile. Yeah. Um, same design. But uh, was, was it this Batmobile that influenced the uh, Batman the Animated Series? Because yes. they, they look similar. Very all, similar, yeah. All of the world of Tim Burton the Tim Burton films is what the world of the animated series was based off of. Wow. Um, directly takes the song. Yeah. Directly yeah. takes the song. The buildings do are very art deco, mm-hmm. like the Burton universe, um, yeah. especially more so in the second one when you get really up close looks at the city. Um, yeah. Every, everything about which is it. It's really cool. It is really cool. Um, which talking about like production design, like we have the Batmobile looks amazing. I loved when it armors up. Oh yeah, is that not cool? Because like, I want awesome. that so bad. Yeah, I want my car to be shielded in the sunlight. That way, when I get in, it's nice and cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. In this place, we can use it. Um, and the bat, the bat, uh, Batwing looked awesome too. Yeah. The thing is, is what's interesting is they made these. The Batmobile, the comics at the time looked very. Uh, it actually kind of looked like uh, the Tumblr, like from the later films hmm. uh it it was uh, often very blocky and it would sometimes have a bat insignia on the front or one time it had a bat face on the front and then it would kind of have these like very like maybe uh maybe two by two kind of windows on the front and it just it was a really it was a very blocky design and i can't remember who came up with the design for the ba- the Batmobile in these films, um, but it seems to be, it seems to still be an influence today over everything. Yeah, like even the new Batman Superman Batmobile has callbacks to it if you look closely. Hmm. Um, I'm ready for you to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you definitely too. I I you know you mentioned that uh, Michael Keaton is your second favorite Batman. Is yeah. that what you said? Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck is my third is my favorite interesting he's good I have to say Michael Keaton is my favorite honestly out of the live action as long as we yeah out of the live action Kevin Conroy takes the cake 
absolutely for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same but, here. Uh, but Michael Keaton's my favorite live action for sure. Um. So we have we have that we have the Batwing the Batwing the Batwing looks awesome. Um. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever understand why um he has rockets on the Batwing. Yeah. That was always weird, and the fact that he has a giant pair of scissors on the Batwing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I you always, know, in case we ever gotta take count down some parade balloons. I was just like, "What? Like, did you plan this to help the community or something?" Like, <laughs> well, you know, it does you know, seem like he, he's at first. I was thinking the same thing this time we were watching through. I'm like, "Why does he have scissors on that thing?" But then they turn out to just be clamps. They just clamp on. And pull the balloons away, and then he, they pull back in, and, then and it they tears it tears yeah. off. Yeah, and I get that. It so was just kind of interesting. Whatever that... you can use clamps for. <laughs> it was for whenever he's awarded the key to Gotham City. <laughs> you so just he swoop can in and swoop take in it. And just, yeah, <laughs> cut yeah, the yeah. ribbon. Probably burn up half the population <laughs> yeah. along the way. Accidentally um, shoot off his machine gun. I really liked. Uh, I I liked the scene where he flies up in front of the moon. Yeah, makes the Batman. Uh, I mean. Like I was just like, yeah, like that is so cool. All right. Um, something that did bother me about the production design of this film, while the bat suit looks killer, um, let's talk about two the things. The cow. Let's talk about. Well, yeah, one of them's a cow because guess what? Like you tap Batman on the right shoulder, he's gonna turn a <laughs> full, full like yeah, like that's the thing that I. It's so hard. Ninety degree to turn. Not giggle whenever he does you. that. Yeah. Especially like whenever Joker comes up in the helicopter and he's like, hey, and he, and like he has to he, like do that like back look up. And thing. he turns around so fast, it almost looks like part of the cow like swings past <laughs> his face a little bit. I was like, I, I don't know, but yeah, like the the like. And that's a problem we're going to have throughout the series until we get to actually uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight. Right, you're right. Okay, so so yeah, he like the cowl is just incredibly awkward. So the cowl. Another thing, like we have the scene where he is. Uh, here's a fun little trivia fact for you, John Peters. When Bar- when Bruce Wayne is driving up to. Uh, are driving, yeah, driving through the leaves with Vicky, uh, Vicky Vale. Mm-hmm. That is apparently like part of John Peter's his driveway or part of his house. Like Whoa, his, that's cool. Like all those trees and everything. Yeah. That's that's part of his. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. His How ranch. Are you supposed hey to guys, check I his can mirrors. Save us some money. <laughs> Ki- kind of like film at my place. <laughs> well, uh, he apparently had this like dream or in his head that he was essentially walking around as Bruce Wayne. Like he's he's a weird guy, and we will get into that whenever we get to Batman Forever because I have stories I want to. I'm tell. ready. Um, to hear it. So <laughs> that's so the cow, right? Like Vicky's like, where are we going? And he gives her like the most like fuck you lady side eye. Yeah. And you and you know why, right? Because he can't Cause he turn can't his turn head. His head. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 like, he's like, you wait a minute until I can make a 90 degree turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think my favorite moments though was when he had to look up and the like bend he had to do to get oh, his yeah. head to face upward. <laughs> it was um, and so, then that little light, I always think every time I see it, I'm like, that is not enough light to, <laughs> to make her stop seeing. And does he have it there for that reason? Or is that just for when he drops his keys? Right. 
Um, so there's that. And the other thing about the production, uh, production design that always bothered me was they messed up to me. They messed up the, the iconic bat symbol. Did anybody else catch this? No, I didn't. It has feet. What? Feet? I didn't notice that. The Batman 89 yellow and black chest symbol has feet. Hmm. And it's always bothered me. Uh, has feet? I'm never going to be able to look at it the same way. I mean, like, it doesn't necessarily, like, have little feet on it. That's but just it's the very... way my mind keeps imagining it. See the feet? I do. Weird. See the feet? Oh, yeah. Has always driven me nuts. It's I don't know like, why, but I don't hate it. I, I It makes it look like it's either got feet or it's like a throwing star or something. And it's just yeah. on his chest, not on like the cover of the movie or anything. Not on the cover of the movie. It's not on any of the other... Um, hmm. Okay, yeah, I see the difference. Yeah. yeah, any of the other things that has the insignia on the in the film, it's just... It, it looks like just... Too too many points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's and it yeah. gets wide at the bottom. It doesn't have the point. Like I don't know. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always bothered me. Uh, what did you guys think of the fight scenes? I mean, they're uh, nothing. Yeah. Um. I don't really know if I should if I can say I disliked them. Yeah. As the movie, but then obviously once we get their returns, the fight scenes are like. 10,000 times better. They mm-hmm. are. Uh, so I don't know if it was just the two, the three years difference of choreography. Maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, cause it, I want to say it's the same stunt coordinator, but like the opening, the opening fight with the two thieves on the roof, mm-hmm. super intimidating shows you Batman's not a force to be reckoned with. But if you have see like you kind of if you know what's going on like he can't he can't really move mm-hmm. like that cape itself weighed like 60 40 or 60 pounds oh so you got that like <laughs> weighing you down you got all the other rubber on um and like you can't move your head certain directions like when he gives that kick in the opening it's kind of awkward looking yeah like he kind of like like his whole, whole body like bends, <laughs> bends backwards to make that kick, um, which is, I mean, like it's still intimidating the way they shoot it. You don't really know. You will never notice it unless you really look for it. Mm. Um, but I, the fight, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the Joker got his goons. Bob the goon is an original character and I love him to death. He is like, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's just ridiculous. And that guy... This is pretty much all he ever did. Terry something. I think... I want to say I saw him recently. I think he was in the remake of I Spit on Your Grave. Okay. I'm not positive. I might be thinking of somebody else that's in another movie with an obscure part, but I think I, I want to say he was in that. He never really did much, but I mean, like, Bob the Goon was a fun role, and it gave it gave the Joker somebody to kind of play off of... Mm-hmm. Um, because the Joker's obviously really ridiculous, and this guy's just kind of like he's like a yes man, but he's a very serious yes man. Uh, mm-hmm. But Joker's goons, like, let's talk about them for a second. Where did he go to get them? Did he go to like random dojos and like? <laughs> because you have a guy that's exceptionally skilled with like, what was it like? Were they? Uh, oh yeah, 
was it swords i mean like oh yeah yeah which, alleyway, uh, when that like, showed up i was expecting like an indiana jones sort of scene where like the dude's doing all the fancy stuff and then batman just batman like just pulls out his gun face. you know <laughs> 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 but i mean uh but yeah like that was interesting um the fight scenes got really i thought the the one in the uh cathedral at the end mm-hmm. not with the joker but with the guy the batman throws off the tower was really well done. Yeah. Um, that yeah, fight that, just seemed exceptional. That guy was very strong. Yeah, it seemed really brutal. Um, I don't know. I really, I uh, I really like that. And uh, my favorite is the big guy that carries the boom box with the the Fu Manchu. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shaved head. I mean, it's like yeah, like I said, like it's he went to a dojo, got some of them. He went down the street to like the the I don't know the retro pub and grabbed the rest of them. Very interesting assortment of goons. Um, Alexander Knox. I wish he would have come back. He was one of my. He's one of my favorite characters in this thing. Uh, I feel like you could make a movie around that character because like you can make a comedy film set in the DC universe around that character because he's so ridiculous and he's like he's always on to the weirdest stuff and is like his persona um would work well not only with Batman um but pretty much anybody you could pair him up with because he's so larger than life like he's and he's so self-absorbed but he's a real guy cuz in reality, we're all really broke. Yeah. And he's, he's yeah. like, I eat light. Like, you know, like, buy my lunch. I eat light. You know, I don't know. Just like that one line always uh, it made him feel like a real guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, of course, he dies. But which sucked. But he went down swinging quite literally. Aha. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He did? With a baseball bat. He like karate chops his uh he karate chops his trunk and pulls out a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah. He died. What? I don't remember him dying. The gas got to him. He, you see him hit the car and he has the big grin and falls off. Which he be- falls into the How do I garbage not remember that? She's driving. Yeah. She basically kills him. She kind of does. <laughs> Which speaking of like super creepy, the uh the news lady when I was a kid always oh, freaked me out. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like. Well, I was thinking that, and I never thought about it. But all those people in the art museum are dead. I always thought, oh yeah, he just knocked them out, you know. Which oh no, would, could the dead bodies everywhere? Could make sense because <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't, in case she doesn't put the mask on, he doesn't want to kill her. But no, yeah, I'm pretty positive <laughs> those they're they're dancing around all these dead bodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which makes the scene way creepier now with my knowledge of that. But yeah, uh, so the yeah the uh, Alexander Knox, I, I I liked him a lot. Yeah, uh, some of the other characters, I all the, all the characters in the movie. The one character they could have done a lot with and they could have made him into something that nobody did anything with really until the animated series or later on the Dark Knight trilogy is Commissioner Gordon. What is his purpose here? He doesn't doesn't really do it. It's kind of like insert random guy here. Like Mm -hmm. he stands, he stands in access chemicals and yells Mm -hmm. and then he unveils the symbol at the end. Or the signal at the end of the symbol. Yeah. Which raises... He gambles. 
he gambles yeah which kind of like raises a question right like at the end of the movie did batman just like drop it on drop it at city hall and say hey call this if you or like signal this if you need me how did that conversation go in your mind or did he just like drop it with a note note. yeah maybe probably i mean that's about the only thing because uh, or maybe he invited the the commissioner out to gamble, and he's like, "Hey, meet me here." And then really Batman like jumps him in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna put a signal. On the signal. other like guy is Eckhart. Yeah, Eckhart was awesome. And the only thing that gets me every time is his freaking voice. Yeah, is like <laughs> just slightly over the line of ridiculousness. Well, he had the same voice in Star Wars. You know he's in Star Wars, right? He's the fat pilot that goes down at the end yeah. of the movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So maybe he had a son and his son went on to battle the Empire. <laughs> maybe. That's probably it, yeah. Eckhart um, has some really tense scenes with the Joker. Yeah. That, yeah, and whenever Joker killed, like... Eckhart's kind of what helped make this movie feel real, like that anybody, there were stakes, because... Think about the future. Jack. Yeah. Uh, Eckhart, when Eckhart died and Grisham died, like it showed you that these people will die, like there are stakes here, and we are trying to make this a little bit real, and uh, in a way it sets up the Joker dying, like it allows the... it's not a stretch when the Joker dies because mm. obviously there are bodies dropping left and right. Mm-hmm. The news lady, that's what we were talking about. Um, that's what I was trying to remember. The news lady super creeped me out mm-hmm. when I was a kid. She just wouldn't stop laughing and laughing. And then you have that creepy Joker commercial that comes on. Love, Love that, that Joker. Joker. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, oh man, I don't know. Just like that scene was super. And when they flash back for a second and show the newscaster with the grin like yeah oh man it that made gave me, me that gave me nightmares when i was kid that, even as like well the first time i watched it i know immediately that whole scene made me think of uh the return of the joker bam and beyond yeah the whole tim drake thing i was gonna say that commercial completely makes me think of the animated series like, that, that too. seems just like something that would come on the tv and Bruce Wayne's mansion in that yeah. show. There was something like that, wasn't there? Uh, I feel like the Smiling Fish episode, probably. Yeah, it was either that or was, uh, Christmas with the Joker. <laughs> that one was ridiculous, which made me think of the Returns. Or oh, returns yeah, yeah, reminded yeah. me of the Christmas episode. Yeah. Uh, which was like the second or third episode in the show. Yeah, yeah it was really early. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh Overall, a really great film, and obviously it was incredibly yeah. successful. Uh, the you said earlier it was the biggest, D, the highest oh, yeah. grossing DC film until Dark Knight, or yeah. was it yeah. until Dark Knight? Four hundred eleven million dollars. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> I helped uh, attribute to the Dark Knight. I think I watched that like five times in theaters. Yeah, so we end this movie, and the Joker's dead, and really, like they put a Still nice little me, yeah. bow on it. Like, this could have been it. And they end it, Batman just staring at the symbol, music Mm. playing, and that's it. They put a really nice bow on it. And it could have been, if it was one and done, at least this was a strong, competent film. 
Yeah. You know, kind of showing that, you know, Batman is here to here to stay and thankfully audiences received it well and we got to see we more. still yeah, we got we got to see more. We still feel the impact of this movie 30 years later. The um, reason why I keep saying that I'm really excited for returns is I I love this movie and I remember loving it right when we watched it 5 years ago and I still loved it when we watched it yesterday. But I'd never seen Returns before. Returns is your first, and I'm yeah. So ready to talk about it. It's killing Same. me because it'll give me a chance. Save it for the podcast. Save for the podcast. Yeah, because it'll give me a chance to actually get get to rewatch that one because I haven't seen that one in a little bit. I'm ready. Well, I guess. Do y'all want to say favorite scene or anything? Oh man, favorite scene. This is hard. Favorite scene has got to be. Um. I say it's got to be. There's so many, like <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. Like I could give you, like my top three would be, the party man scene, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, would be driving to the Batcave with Vicky Vale. Mm. Just that whole like it's just super creepy. It's a really good atmosphere, and then, the opening of the movie, uh, where you see Batman, like for the first time. And he takes out those two guys and it's just very, he's kind of, uh, they present him as a force of nature in that opening segment. He's not a man. He's very much like, like what they're talking about. He is the bat. Like you do something wrong and guess what? Like, it's like, it's going to get you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of my favorite scene and it, it might be when you finally, when you first see the Joker. Right. And I know you talked about the paint, yeah, but yeah. I've never paid attention to his neck. It's always his face. Oh, yeah. And coming no, no. from the shadows. I've just seen this movie probably a hundred yeah. times. And so. there's something just so maybe eerie mm-hmm. is a good word for it. Yep. Like when he finally shows up and he's got the gun and you're like, oh, God, it's going down. Yeah. And it does. And I love it. It gives me this. I mean, that's very dark but i mean i i love that kind of uh well i need like dark and we were talking about how it's kind of a musical yeah what does he do what is he doing when he kills carl grisham he's like doing a twirl he's yeah. dancing he, he's, he's dancing to, felt, to classical music yeah yeah you're right and i think that was just something i i i really loved yeah it gave it, yeah. You saw the kind of the artsy side of that that Joker and uh, the the change that he went through from what you saw when he was just Jack Napier to like quiet, playing with his cards, kind of everyone like else plotting talk, his plotting. Yeah, yeah but pl- then he gets dropped into the, uh, into the chemicals yeah. and. Uh, Instead of just staying in his own mind and plotting, it all just kind of like switch is flipped, yep. and it's very much like this is how it's going to be, Carl. Right, I'm done sitting in the back. I'm done letting you run things and screwing me over, and just dances. He's like, you know, I, I've been having fun with your girl behind your back, but guess what? It's gonna be in front of your face, and you're going down, <laughs> yeah. and out the window. And he just shoots, and it's yeah. Good scene. Good scene. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That was only something like before the girlfriend, the fact that she wasn't so freaked out by 
Joker. Because she was, they were an item before he changed. Yeah. But he comes back and she's not, she doesn't run and that's interesting. Wait, she faints. She faints. She faints. But she, she screams and faints. She, but she doesn't leave him. That's true. And it but makes when me, does he do the acid thing to her? Don't know. The a, right. Like it looks like acid. I wonder if she volunteered for that or if. Maybe. But then or again, if she held her she, down. She just kills like, herself like, though. Yeah, she did. So, which is also really dark. <laughs> this was a dark film. Yeah, hit it. Yeah, which I appreciate. Your favorite scene? Uh, honestly, I'm surprised when I think about it all. It's not involving the Joker, because I absolutely love Jack Nicholson as the Joker. But in my mind, when I think about it, my favorite scene is, and it's probably just the uh, comedy nerd in me, is the scene between Knox, Vicky, and Bruce in the like <laughs> costume room yeah. like with all those outfits and they're like talking about it behind his back. Yeah, you gotta be a creep. in front of his back. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think this thing comes from? Uh, Japan. Oh, Japan. How do you know? I bought it there. I bought it in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and then just them whole going back and forth. Give Knox a grant. Yeah, that that whole part's great. Hey guys, thanks once again for listening to Geek Cinema Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, your podcast app, and join us again along our celebration of 50 years of Batman films. We're doing all of them, every theatrical release. Um, if you want to hit us up online and join the conversation, you can go to facebook.com slash geekcinemapod, twitter.com slash geekcinemapod, or Instagram at geekcinema, or our website geekcinemapod.com. We'll see y'all later.